Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, helping you decrease your time spent creating content by up to 50% while doubling your online engagement. Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts, Jeffrey L. Cohen, Director of Content Strategy at Oracle Marketing Cloud, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip, and as always by my side, I've got Jeffrey Cohen joining me. Uh, Jeff and I have not done one of these in, in quite a few weeks. Last time we were together was a content marketing world, and a lot of you have been listening to a lot of the great podcasts that came out of there, and uh, we enjoyed making it more casual. So we're going to keep going that way. Uh, we're going to dive right into welcoming our guests. But before I do, Jeff, uh, maybe you can uh, check in with everyone here. That sounds great. Thanks so much, Randy. We really did enjoy those shows live in the same room, not just with each other, but with our guests at Content Marketing World. So we're we're back in our respective locations. And we're really excited today to have David Fortino. He's the SVP of audience and product at the Netline Corporation. So welcome to the Content Pros podcast, David. Thanks so much. Appreciate being here. So let's just dive right in and and talk a little bit about talk a little bit about uh, netline and content and sort of where you sit in the world of content marketing. Sure thing. Yeah. So let's uh, we'll first start with netline. Um, we specifically help B two B marketers achieve lead gen success with content. Uh, we're able to do that simply because we are the largest B two B content syndication and lead gen solution on the web, uh, ultimately reaching in excess of 125 million unique professionals. And our clients' content, more often than not, garners in excess of 700,000 leads on a monthly basis. Uh, You can kind of envision us as a programmatic content discovery platform that's content-centric, but the end goal is driving performance-oriented leads. Uh, So CPL, when I'm talking about performance, Um, And the leads are actually generated through the byproduct of prospects and or end users that are actively consuming and researching content. Uh, Where I sit in the universe at Netline is I oversee all audience-facing, all client-facing, and all publisher-facing products. Um, Part of that also falls into our content marketing strategy itself. We're a bit unique in the sense that in addition to having a corporate content marketing strategy, We're also working with content marketing strategies and our clients um, to drive scale, efficiency, and ultimately success across hundreds of organizations. Uh, So we got to see a lot of really good things. We got to see a lot of things that are a bit curious and perhaps poorly executed. Um, But being in the position we're in, we've processed over 35 million leads thus far for our clients. We've Typically, I've live at any given time about 6,000 assets. Uh, it's like white papers, case studies, ebooks, analyst reports, you name it. Uh, it's out there. 
And then beyond that, that's typically covering in excess of hundreds of campaigns at any given time. So it's a unique position to execute our own content strategy while being really kind of on the pulse of what's actually happening in the organization uh, from an external perspective on a real-time basis too. So I, I love that. I love that idea of being on the pulse because I, I see you sitting right at the intersection of two really important places that B2B marketers exist right now. And so I'm, I'm going to sort of throw this at from a, a stat perspective. And the first is that about three quarters of B2B marketers say they're more interested in quality leads as opposed to quantity leads. And then, and then the second is, as we keep hearing from uh, basically high-performing content marketers, the idea really is that you should spend way more amount of your time, budget, resources, et cetera, on content distribution rather than just content creation. In other words, the if you build it, they will come idea really is not what content marketing is all about. So exactly. I, so yeah, I'd I'd love to sort of hear hear your thoughts on how those two things come together, like quality leads and really the importance of distribution from a content perspective. Sure, sure. So, oh boy, we've seen all different types of tactics deployed over the years. And as the market continues to mature, there's kind of incremental layering of sophistication uh, as it relates to just driving quality, right? So historically, quality was simply about getting the appropriate contact at a company. Um, now it's very much about intent and engagement and also still meeting all the filter requirements of a campaign. Um, I've historically, you know, prided myself on the position that we market to people or persons and not personas. Uh, so many times you hear B2B marketers talking about personas and at the core, never really understanding who those people are that are lurking behind those ambiguous definitions. And so although the definition of a persona is certainly helpful in driving scope and strategic execution, at some point you do need to know who those people are, their real world tendencies uh, in order to extract quality. Um, Quality is, I would say, somewhat ambiguous, right? In, in terms of every client that we work with has a different definition as to what their perfect lead would be. Um, obviously, if you're talking to someone who's heavily aligned with sales, they're going to almost even want a sales-ready lead that came in off of content that was, you know, bottom of funnel oriented, very acquisition centric, um, pretty much in line with conversions and sales. On the flip side, if you're talking with a marketer who's focused on top of funnel, uh, more awareness pieces, it's not necessarily about the engagement as much as it's simply about the fact that you've got someone who's actively engaged in content and consuming content relevant to your space, and you're playing more of an edge educational and an informational solution there to them. So I, I loved something you said at the beginning there, David, which was the idea that a lot of people think about marketing to a persona, whereas you think about it as marketing to a person. 
And, you know, what I take from that, which is, is becoming very trending is this discussion around multi marketing from one to many versus one to one, right? And we've seen a lot of trends, a lot of buzzwords of late, whether or not you're following the ABM account-based marketing mindset, or whether you're just hearing all about personalization and recommended content. But I believe to your point, the idea of thinking about the person is getting more to a true personalized experience. And maybe you can help us understand, you know, how that mindset, first of all, lives at NetLine and how you take that approach in terms of getting content into the person's hands. Sure, sure. Yeah. So personalization is really kind of front and center to everything that we do. And so we try our best to leverage all of the nuanced kind of values or data points that we have accessible to us about our prospects. And so it's not just the obvious stuff like personalizing an email with their name <laughs> uh, or their company name, but going much more beyond that as it relates to their content consumption trends as well. So if you knew that a user downloaded an asset specifically focused on lead gen, um, and then two weeks later downloaded or viewed a webinar, again, focused on lead gen, um, you're starting to kind of build out a signal profile as to what this user or prospects engaged with and where they're spending their time learning. Beyond that, you can also distill next steps that are immediately actionable about if, if someone's focused on lead gen, obviously there's the executional elements of lead gen, but immediately the, the first obvious question would be is what, what are you doing with the leads that you've generated? So then you start talking about um, you know, nurturing funnels, uh, sales enablement, and going that route with content recommendation strategies. And so it very much can be a linear flow. It can be um, somewhat fragmented, whereby you're getting mixed signals and you're able to algorithmically distill what you're seeing into what you would believe to be the best recommendations for content. But perhaps the user is going somewhat through their own discovery process and they've consumed some stuff focused on top of funnel, immediately jump to acquisition or bottom of funnel related content, bounce back into the middle and then back to the top. And so you're getting a mixed perception there. Clearly that person's engaged, um, but clearly our ability to uh, entice them and progress them down the funnel is a little bit more complicated there because you're not necessarily certain as to that progression that they've followed because it's not even been certain to themselves clearly. So I can assure you and I can assure people listening to this podcast that Jeff and I are sitting here nodding our heads saying, yes, you know, even though we can't see each other, we do this <laughs> remotely, but you know, for maybe that's because we live in and breathe this every day. A lot of the people who listen to content pros are probably trying to glue some of the ideas that you just threw out together. Um, you know, marketing automation probably plays a role in what you're describing, but maybe you could give us an idea of a campaign where you've been able to alter the flow of content that's been recommended to an individual and how you were able to accomplish that. You know, I'm going to guess that Netline comes in there as well, but you know, how do you orchestrate that behind the scenes? Yeah, so I'll try not to keep this too heavy-handed about us and our technology, but conceptually speaking, um, you know, having the ability to distribute top-of-funnel content at scale allows us to do very obvious things, right? We're able to seed the marketplace, um, drive awareness, drive huge volume of, of leads that we're able to then nurture and remarket to. Um, from there, middle funnel content as it relates to basically consideration and also trying to drive relationships with those prospects 
Um, some of them might actually even be existing customers and or leads that have already been in the system. And so then we're trying to market to them using content that speaks to where they're at in the overall funnel or their stage. Uh, and then ultimately, we're, we're progressing down through bottom of funnel, dr- trying to drive demos, conversions, and ultimately sales, because all of this is meaningless if we can't back into ROI that supports everything that we do. Um, you know, some of this content is really self-explanatory, right? Like on the bottom of funnel, it is as literal as a demo session live with a sales rep um, with some pre-recorded videos and or product specific data sheets, all very purchase driven content. The middle of the funnel content to me is the probably the more ambiguous in that you're kind of that, that person could be just entering that stage. Um, so you still need to play a little bit of an edu- educational and informational v- role there or deliver those values because you can't simply make the assumption that they're ready to progress forward uh, towards the bottom of the funnel. Uh, the top of the funnel side is is perhaps the most fun to execute. Uh, it's always the most creative. We get to throw out a bunch of nutty ideas. That's, that's I think, where our personality shows through the most. Um, you know, And it allows us to to cultivate a brand, a perception of our brand and a perception of our voice uh, that we try to carry through as we progress. But obviously, as things start getting more and more serious, ultimately, as you're driving to a purchase, then you know some of that fun stuff falls out of the, out of the way. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Uberflip and their weekly podcast called Flip the Switch, where they bring some of the brightest marketing minds together to provide useful insights, actionable takeaways, and a fresh approach to the content marketing challenges you face daily. Head over to bit.ly slash flip content to discover the tips and tactics that will help you flip the switch from ordinary to remarkable. So David, let's talk about the, the dating mining, the data mining, uh, opportunities here. So if you're, if you're hosting and serving up, uh, you said about 6,000 content assets for, for your customers. That gives you a huge treasure trove of, of data to actually inform your own content marketing. Can, can you share some of, the, some of the learnings that you've been able to take away from your customer success on your own side? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so from that side, as you rightly pointed out, I mean, we're generating billions of data points per year or ultimately signals of in-market behavior as it relates to professionals consuming all different types of content. And so um, you could relate that to our own campaigns where we certainly eat our own dog dog food. We certainly distribute netline content into our platform, uh, allow that as the opportunity to first drive awareness. And then on the back end, we're using our own nurturing and remarketing capabilities to drive consideration and ultimately focused on acquisition. Um, But what's more interesting to me is really not how we support ourselves, but as clients are layered into the overall story here, um, it's phenomenal seeing an organization come in and see them specifically kind of tap into our scale first. And then they're executing follow-up campaigns that are much more targeted and less about awareness. Uh, they're most certainly middle of funnel at that point. We're, we're deploying whether it's ABM tactics out of that larger pool that was first developed. We're even going further. There's a product called Ramp that we've been piloting. Uh, with some of our more strategic clients, which basically allows us to 
retarget and amplify the relationships of those users around the web as it relates to their content consumption behavior that originally started with us. And so that then is focused on trying to drive from middle of funnel to bottom um, as a segue over to more marketing automation uh, specific deployments that are happening on email simultaneously. And so I, I think we've seen those stories come together nicely. It's not always the case because sometimes clients are using us specifically to support top of funnel or middle of funnel. Uh, and that's about it. And then they, they're taking bottom in-house. Uh, we love to work with organizations that are taking a more holistic view of working with us across all of those campaigns. But there's even you know, more, uh, I don't know, uh, perhaps uh, comical perspectives of data sets that we can look at too. And so uh, we have a lot of career-oriented content on the platform too. And so if you're seeing a large chunk of professionals at any given company consuming a bunch of content about how to have a better resume, those are clearly insights in, into the market as to what those professionals at that company might be thinking at that very moment. Um, there's a million different ways to slice and dice the data. We don't have enough time in the day to constantly just be doing freeform research. Um, so it is it is situationally based and really trying to to focus on insights that drive the needs of our clients and obviously ourselves. Yeah, that that's great. It's it's really interesting to to be able to look at that data and and not just use it for as you say those sorts of insights to make your your clients better marketers, but also looking at it from a content perspective. Like one way we use it as well to form formulate our own content strategy, but also to share content strategy and content creation processes with our clients is we actually look at organic uh, search efforts that are happening on site. So I'm not talking about SEO, I'm talking about users actually trying to consume content and and or coming across a relative weakness of content speaking to specific topics. So that data is then shared with our client services team and also with our sales organizations that they can then educate our clients to say, look, there's users who are actively in your marketplace who specifically have the attributes and values that you're looking to reach yet you and or your competitors aren't writing content that specifically speaks to their needs. Um, so why not, right? You, you, you should leverage that data and actually get it in front of those users. And then beyond that, you can use it well outside of NetLine. Um, but it's a way for us to proactively let our users be almost the, the barometric driver of how content's created and what should be published in front of them. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by ClearVoice. Need a freelance writer? Clear Voice Marketplace can help you. Looking for trending topics or influencers? No problem. Clear Voice Content Studio is the answer for that one. Looking to store all your brand guidelines, keywords, and personas in one accessible space? That's right. Clear Voice can do that too. Even pay all your writers from one secure account. Go to demo.clearvoice.com. For a free demo and tell them your friends at Content Pros Podcast sent you. Well, let, let's flip this around for a second and, and think about or talk about the user to your site. So, for instance, as a, as a B2B company, you obviously are trying to optimize your clients and getting their content in front of the right people. When, when a visitor comes to your site, what is that experience like and and is there some sort of algorithm that 
for for instance serves up the most relevant content does it does it for instance prioritize certain companies content and other what's what is what does that feel like for a for a visitor sure so the the easiest way i always distill kind of what we do is that we've we've taken a lot of inspiration from amazon's kind of recommendation logic right um the way if you're purchasing a television um or a new computer and you're on amazon a ton of the peripheral items that you're presented both at the item level, both at the check uh, the checkout level, um, but then even after you've made that purchase, there's additional products that they're trying to sell to you. It's very thematically on point with what we've done, and so we've built a content discovery platform that you know at any given time has five thousand, six thousand assets that users can consume, covering hundreds of thousands of topics. Um, that said. That content uh, can be found, you know, just like you could. If you go to Amazon, you can just type something in, and then Amazon's um, basically freestyling based on what you just did. So you come in as a relatively raw signal, uh, where they knew some about you because you were a prior customer. So they're only going, going to be looking at your pre- prior purchase history. In our case, we're looking at your prior content consumption history. The content consumption history is also layered on top of all of those professional values that we already know about you, where you work, your company size, the industry, your job function, how many employees are in your company, uh, your geographic location, all of that is layered in on top of that content consumption behavior. So unlike Amazon, where it just stops to say, oh, you either looked at this or you bought this, and the qualification criteria was simply that you had a good credit card, our qualification criteria is data, right? So it's not a purchase of anything. It's it's that you looked at this type of content, you consume this type of content, but then on top of that, your professional values actually are in line with our own clients' requirements. And that's kind of where the matchmaking aspect comes into play. Algorith- algorithmically, our system is looking at you as a user on a one-to-one basis saying, oh, you are a manager um, at a company of 500 employees and greater located in the US and you have an IT job function. Here's content that specifically would be in line with your prior content consumption behavior, but also in line with what our clients are looking to to distribute and to reach. They're trying to explicitly reach you. so again, it gets back to that marketing to a person versus a persona um, and the one-to-one nuances of doing that. And that concept's carried through from everywhere throughout the site experience to email um, to even you know consequential email alerts where we're kind of using our email marketing tools to have a, more or less like a research alert that goes out every day that takes those uh, key principles in mind um, based on what they've consumed in the past. And most importantly, bubble to the top, the leads or the users that are most apt to convert into a qualified lead for our customers. So it seems as though you guys are doing an amazing job at leveraging the content that you've created. And I think, you know, when, when I talk to a lot of marketers, that's one of the things that often gets overlooked is they create an asset and then they move on to the next one. And they hope that, you know, that it serves in the most recent feed of content and that people find it or over time it searches, it, it, it's listed from an organic SEO rank. Maybe you can help those who are interested in upping their game by understanding 
where does this practice of syndication and distribution live within your org? Because, you know, and, and Netline's going to be a little bit unique because you guys <laughs> live and breathe this. Right, right. But how have you managed to think about, you know, where this discipline lives within the marketing team? And I can imagine a lot of marketers are sitting here saying, okay, well, is this part of the content team's role? Or is this the demand gen team or? Great question, know, actually, yeah. because, and it's, I wish I had a black and white answer for you because I think every client that we come across and we're working with those teams, it's almost always not the same. Um, so if I'm working with a really large enterprise organization, it's probably their demand gen team. If it's a mid-sized company or smaller, then you're starting to get into uh, the multifunctional marketer. Or the full stack marketer who's really being tasked with content creation, uh, content ideation, content execution, promotion, um, ROI analyses, and then optimization, right? The soup to nuts, they have to take care of everything. Um, it's, it's a bit rare that the content marketer themselves at a very large company would be responsible for the promotional strategy of the content. I would say in midsize and below, that could be probably a common takeaway that they are responsible for it. But uh, I'm curious to even know your perspective on that too. Because um, I don't know if the industry is really settled on a, a home, if you will, to say de facto, yes, this is exactly where this person lives. And a great example of that is historically, our company was split into two marketing teams. One was a corporate marketing team, which was obviously very corporate centric. And one was audience marketing and audience development, which was my team. Um, over the past uh, six months or so, there's been a merger of those two groups into one. Um, and so the, the beauty of that is that we've kind of recognized some of those inefficiencies and are trying to take on... Um, I, I would say a lot more in the marketplace, but also recognize our strengths as a team versus kind of working at things in silos. And that's perhaps the frustrating part is when you see someone who's responsible for content creation, but then have no skin in the game for the ultimate content uh, delivery and marketing, things can quickly go awry because they're just simply not part of the process. So maybe they mo wrote uh, amazing content. But somewhere along the way, when it came to targeting or promotional strategies, it wasn't really in line with what the content was designed to do. Um, and I'm sure that goes vice versa as well. So, so it sounds like this has really become its own discipline in a way within the organization. I'm wondering how you're how good of a job you think you're doing. Hopefully, it's a good one. At uh, <laughs> at circling back that feedback to the creation team to ensure that they're. Uh, iterating on on the content created based on what's being consumed like what is that you know do you guys have a weekly meeting is it monthly do you review assets how does that work in terms of ensuring that that this becomes more of a true cycle yeah so uh most certainly weekly uh but beyond that there's i would say daily at the desk or at my desk uh updates happening as we're uh, pushing content out. Um, simply by the nature of the beast for us, we have a lot more data and exposure than most marketers have available to them at any given time. And so the beauty there is that we're able, able to somewhat quickly vet 
a good idea versus a bad one. And so getting to the point, are we are we doing well at what, what we're tasked to do and execute against? I believe so. Are, are we perfect? Certainly not. I think there's a ton of area to improve. Um, and just going through this merger of the two departments, I, I think it's been a bit eye-opening in terms of what's in front of us. Um, there's a lot more, I think, creativity still kind of pent up and a lot more ideas that we've yet to execute. I think moving forward, really digging in and kind of doubling down on more of a collaborative um, client-centric content creation process. So you know, working actually with our customers to help drive our content strategy versus just trying to think like we're going to write amazing content that will always resonate with our customers. That's probably not necessarily the safest strategy. Um, and then also still focusing on the humanization of content, trying to not overthink what we do in the space. We're a small company. I think we're full of creative people who have really strong personalities and we're a bit quirky as well. We want that to shine through. We don't want to be a vanilla brand um, that, that really just blends into the background as nothing more than a wallflower participant to the industry. So it, it was interesting what you said, not this question, but before about the, um, the difference between where this function sits mm-hmm. versus a, a large company versus a, a midsize or small company. So I work for, I guess, a, a small division within a large company. Right. And as part of the content creation team, if it's if it's very standard, for instance, I do like the, I'd be responsible for the social and the, uh, basically the social and sort of some of the standard stuff. We do have a, a demand gem team and a, and a, uh, like inbound outbound team that handles a lot of the syndication. And then if anything sort of above and beyond comes up, like any, any sort of weird creative idea that would of course come from me because that's part of the, the content creation idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so sort of with that in mind a little bit, how does somebody how does somebody start thinking about moving into, I guess, a more robust content distribution model? In other words, let's let's do stuff beyond just, as you've said, just put out on social, just, you know, do kind of some of the standard things. Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing they they really need to identify is just simply what they're trying to achieve, right? Going into it, knowing a goal uh, will certainly clarify things. Um, You know, I was looking at CMI's recent benchmark report, and for as much as you'd think the industry uh, would be in alignment as to how to kind of focus on distribution and promotional strategies for content... I was reading that report, looking at some of the data points as being curious um, in the sense that, you know, 80% of B2B content marketers are using social as a paid strategy for driving exposure of their content. So if I stop there, I think that totally makes sense if the goal is traffic generation or awareness. Um, But what was strange was the following slide in the benchmark report said 84% of these very content marketers view lead gen as the most important goal associated to their efforts. And so right there, I'm seeing a disconnect between the paid strategies and ultimately the outcomes that marketers are desiring. It's like if if I'm backing into a lead, I'm first going to explore models that are backing into uh, or starting off uh, on a CPL basis. Therefore, I'm not inheriting any of the risk associated to 
buying traffic, driving that traffic to my landing page, knowing for the fact that 80% or more of the people that get to the page are immediately going to bounce. Is my page mobile optimized? How am I going to scrub data if I do capture any data? All of that. Um, you are inheriting a ton of risk from those vendors, whether it's LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. And they're driving, they can drive huge volumes of traffic to you. And then the takeaway is what? I, I've heard every single time from our clients, it's very rare for them to actually say, yeah, this was this drove meaningful result-driven ROI positive results, aside from the fact that it was, you know, we drove a ton of traffic here. We created a lot of awareness. There's certainly value to that if that was the goal, but but the goal cannot be lead gen if you're going down that path, or at least I think you're going down the wrong path if you do. All right. So, so what we're going to do with the last couple of minutes here, we're going to go to a series of lightning questions, really quick answers. Love it. Um, I'm going to get, I know you've been in netline for something like 14 years, if I saw correctly. I don't even know how that's possible, but I I know, but, uh, but I'm going to get you to take your netline hat off. We want to get to know you a little bit better. So we're going to start with the first one, one to two answer questions here. We got, what is your favorite social network for content consumption? Oh, Instagram. Um, and obviously it's short form and it's beautiful. Um, I think from that side, it does have some carryovers into B2B, right? Don't, don't uh, underestimate the value of a great cover graphic and pay attention to short and concise messaging. Beautiful. All right. The next two are going to be similar, but what's your best social channel from a CPL perspective? Oh, I'd go with LinkedIn, um, but we have a bit of a unique strategy there in the sense that uh, LinkedIn groups uh, are actively a great place for traffic. Um, and then beyond that, we're obviously using just our, the power of, of what we know in the space and our own personal networks to drive leads. Uh, that, that to me is very much not necessarily about marketing-centric lead gen, though. It, if anything, it's probably sales enablement. Um, and actually getting your sales team to become part of your marketing organization. That's a whole other chat that we could have some time. But but to me, that's really interesting. And it's something that I'm super passionate about. We're actually just doing another training session uh, shortly uh, focused on that specifically. I think there's great ways to extract leads using your sales team to do so. All right. We got got about seven or eight more here. So we're going to go no editorial, only quick answers. Worst social channel, CPO. What's one that just has not worked for you? Facebook. Facebook. All right. What's your preferred format of content for creation? A blog post or video? Blog post. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get yeah more fun here. I promise. So, who's creating more engaging content, Trump or Clinton? Let's be clear. This is not who you're voting for. But who's creating more engaging content? I think this is an easy one, sadly. Uh, <laughs> Trump. All right. That's fair. We won't ask who you're voting for. Uh, the next one. The favorite... I did say sadly. So. Yes. I, I, I believe it was implied. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite part of the funnel to market to? Top, middle, or bottom? Top. All right. The next one. What is your preferred key metric for, for managing? MQLs or SALs? SALs. Okay. Um, you're going to know after this that I'm, I'm a little biased. I'm from Toronto, but who are you cheering for in the major league baseball playoffs? 
We'll go with Toronto. All right. Nice, nice. Trying to win points. I like it. Um, <laughs> and the last question, and, and feel free to think of it, a piece of uh, content you want to direct people to. What's been a really great piece of content for educating on what you do and that's converted really well for your company? What's the format at the same time? We just released a, an awesome case study. Uh, it was specifically focused on a demand gen agency who came aboard our platform to support all of their customers. Uh, some phenomenal stats were the byproduct. Uh, 270 campaigns that they've launched for their customers. They've processed in excess of 30,000 leads on the platform. And now 75% of their customers are all running content syndication and lead gen campaigns on our platform through this agency. So it was really cool. It's a case study. It's a PDF form. We're probably going to break it out into some smaller pieces and there'll probably be a video testimonial to consume as well. Um, but yeah, it was a fun exercise because I didn't honestly uh, know what we were going to expect. And so when you see data like that, it's just uh, rewarding uh, beyond belief. Fantastic. David, thanks so much for doing this today. Um, what we'll do is uh, if you get us the link to that asset you're referring to, we'll get it into the show notes. Uh, everyone can tune in and listen to those uh, or read those rather, I guess, at contentprospodcast.com. That's part of the Convince and Convert podcast network. There's quite a few other ones that we encourage you to check out from all of the friends that Jeff and I have made here at the Convince and Convert family. On behalf of Jeff Cohen over at Oracle Marketing Cloud and myself, Randy Frisch at Uberflip, thanks so much for joining us on Content Pros today. Thank you to David Fortino from Netline for making the time. And I encourage everyone to take a look at all the other podcasts that live at our podcast site, as well as can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcasts, we're there. And please give us some feedback so we understand how to continue to improve the content coming out of this one. All the best. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by...